Jimmy Butler was back from Miami, but it was Tyler Hero's clutch scoring, including six points in overtime versus the Nets, that helped the Heat escape Brooklyn with a comeback win. It was a tale of two halves and big shot making when it mattered most as Miami keeps pace in the Eastern Conference standings. We'll break it all down and answer your questions about the win on today's episode of Locked on Heat. You are Locked on Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome to Locked On Heat, your daily podcast on the Miami Heat. I'm Wes Goldberg, editor at allyoucanheat.com. Joining me as always, it's longtime NBA reporter David Ramil. However, you're tuning in on YouTube, Odyssey, or your favorite podcast app. Thanks so much for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get started. Recording this on a Monday night after the Heat beat the Nets, low-scoring game, 96-95, to and that's with overtime on the road, (laughs) second night of a back-to-back, and boy, did it look like it for the first half. The Heat scored 31 points in the first half. They missed their first 12 three-pointers in this game, and it looked like it was just going to be one of those nights, but then the Heat come back from 16 points down. Tyler Hero has 29 points in the game, including six of Miami's eight points in overtime and big bucket after big bucket, which I'm sure we're going to get to here um, down the stretch. Jimmy Butler, in his first game back since December 30th, finished tonight with 31 points. David, what was your takeaway from this one? Tyler here, relying on him and and coming up big when it mattered most. Like I think he had fallen slightly out of favor. We talked about this in our last recap just last night against the Charlotte Hornets. I know he struggled, uh, and there were some questions about his Tough shot, uh, you know, the fact that he took a tough shot uh, against Oklahoma City and some members of the fan base, at least via social media, and take that for what it's worth, kind of turning on his shot selection, things that we've pointed out in the past as far as where his biggest weaknesses are. But tonight you saw when those weaknesses turn into great strengths because he was Miami's only real uh, source of offense from the floor. Like Jimmy Butler got his points almost completely from the free throw line, minus Mm. a few shots that he hit here and there for the most part. When it mattered, especially late in that during that run, and when they went on a 17 to 3 run to take a lead for the first time in the third quarter, later on in the game, uh, and in, in the to close out the fourth quarter, and certainly in overtime, it was all Tyler Hero, his willingness to take big shots, the one legged floaters in the lane, the big three point shots, two of which he hit again in overtime. He was phenomenal tonight. And I think, I hope that Pete fans recognize. The, the positives of Tyler's offense. Like, I know you can be frustrating at times, especially when he doesn't get to the free throw line as much. But tonight, when he's, those shots are falling, he's as dynamic a player as there is in the NBA. Well, you mentioned the third quarter. Tyler had 12 points in the third quarter to basically fuel that Miami run. And then with a minute left in the fourth quarter, at the end of regulation of this one, hits two of those big floaters that you had talked about. He hits one with 50 seconds left to put the heat back up. Brooklyn comes back. They retake the lead. And what does Tyler Hero do? He's like, all right, I'll just do it again. And he does it again. He did get called for two fouls in that final minute. One of them was his fault. The other one wasn't. The the very the second one where Jimmy Butler uh, went for the steal on the inbound pass to McCall uh, Bridges. I thought he gambled. I mean, he did gamble. And, you know, the other version of that is that he gets it. He probably missed the ball by half a foot. The other version of that is that he gets it, steal, scores on the other end, puts the game away. We never have to deal with overtime on the road on the second night of a back-to-back. So I'm not going to 
blame Jimmy Butler too much for that gamble, considering everything mm-hmm. that was at stake there and the fact that they were on the second night of a back-to-back and he was just trying to end this game early. But Tyler Hero was the one that slid back and, and for the help defense. And yeah, he got called for the foul, but at least he tried. So uh, like when you say Heat fans, like I, I do feel like sometimes the nuance in Tyler Hero's game is lost. And I know that we don't look at Tyler Hero as a nuanced kind of player. When we talk about right. Tyler Hero, we're not really talking about a nuanced player the way that we're talking about like somebody like Jimmy or Bam even. But I have said this all the time about Tyler Hero. At the end of the day, give me the guy that's going to do something. And it doesn't necessarily have to be the shot that goes in. Even at the end of that Oklahoma City game, at least he took the shot. He took the shot. And sometimes in the NBA, it just comes down to that. Um, you know, guys take shots. They're not always good shots, but at least you're taking them. Wayne Wade took a bunch of tough shots that he probably shouldn't have taken, but he made them. And he didn't make them all the time. And Tyler Hero makes a lot of them, and sometimes he doesn't. But tonight, he did make them. Right, he got those one-footer floaters in the lane. He made those big threes down the stretch. You mentioned the fact that nobody was doing much of anything from the field, even in overtime. Right. Tyler, the, the Heat scored eight points in overtime. Tyler Hero scored six of them from the field. The only other two yeah. were Jimmy Butler free throws. The only guy who made a shot that wasn't a free throw in overtime was Tyler Hero. You got, you need right. to have somebody that does stuff. I always say this, and Tyler Hero does stuff. He makes things happen, and he does stuff. And you got to live with the results. Think of this. 33 made field goals in the night in overtime. That's pathetic. And 11 <laughs> of them came from Tyler Hero. Like 11 made free throws. He was 11 of 22 from the floor. You get eight from Jimmy, five from Bam, and that's pretty much it. You get a couple of shots here and there from other guys. But it was really just a bleak night offensively, especially in the first half. Second half, it was a completely different story. I mean, the 31 points in the first half was really ugly. They scored 16 points, and they kind of say, oh, one of the lowest scoring quarters in the Miami Heat season. And then they go and go, you know what? Hold my beer. I'm going to score one less than that. They just go 15 points in the second quarter. Really? And then what happened? They outscored themselves in the third quarter. This was the weirdest game. David, when was the last time? You you and I watch a lot of NBA basketball, not just the Miami Heat. You're recording the NBA show tonight for the national show. I've been watching basketball since 1 p.m. tonight. I don't even know Good for you. (laughs) How how are you even keeping this game straight? You're going to start talking about, like, (laughs) uh, Kyrie Irving. Draymond Green. Yeah, right. Yeah. But – when was the last time we saw an overtime game in the NBA where neither team broke 100 points? Was it the five 90s? Years. Five, it's five years, years. You already found five that stat? Yeah. Yes. Five years ago. The last time it happened was five years ago. That Both teams go into overtime and neither score 100 points. It's five years. We haven't seen that five years ago. So it's been a, it's been a while. Some really bad offense. Uh, I bought that Tyler Hero foul. Wait, what, the last... what are the odds that Eric Spolcher, and we'll find this out by the time people oh, yeah. are even hearing this, saying Pat Riley, that's that's a game Pat Riley would have loved. That's a game Pat would have loved. Like, what are the odds? He's going to walk into the press conference right now with a big smile. As yep, a beaming grin. Yep. In the yep. mud. We yep. love these kinds of games. You that's, knew you were going to have Brooklyn fans some... got what they paid for. <laughs> right. Price of admission. You, you... Yeah, you know you were gonna get some uh ba- you know some some fatigue there on the second right. night of a back to back everything else. That game yeah, sucked. It was, it was really ugly to watch. Ugly and look, game. the shots they were they were just falling short. I mean, it was clearly yeah. fatigue in the first half. Yeah. Like you'd see the shots were open. You had Kyle, Tyler, everybody, bam, in particular, like they were taking a lot of shots that we've seen them make regularly this season, and they were just falling short. They're just hitting the front rim all the time. Yeah. About that last he shot thirty eight percent. Brooklyn shot thirty four percent. So they were like, "We could do you one worse." Uh, sorry, go and, ahead. Talk about those no, through overtime. Yeah, yeah, through overtime. Uh, I think a lot of people are kind of thinking about that last defensive possession where Tyler did cause a foul on Mikael Bridges, but at the same mm-hmm. time, uh, you know, I think, and I questioned this via social media, like why he was in there in the first place. Right? Are we looking too much into it, and why Haywood, Highsmith, 
who hadn't played for most of the second half, why he wasn't out there for that last defensive possession with four and a half seconds left? It was interesting because then later on, Spo did go offense on that final possession. He put Duncan Robinson in, took Caleb out, Tyler Hero stayed in the game, Kyle Lowry came in the game for Josh Richardson. So he was willing to kind of go defense offense, but he just didn't do the defense part. He didn't do the first part of that. I don't know. I don't know if it was an oversight because Tyler Hero was also guarding the inbounder right in front of the heat bench. So if it was an oversight, then like the coaches would have Everybody saw Hero it. in the game and be like, oh crap, like take him out, take him out. Have Highsmith right. guard the inbounder or whoever. Um, I don't I don't know. And I I, I we're recording this right after the buzzer uh, of overtime. So we haven't listened to any of the post-game conferences. Um, I'm hoping one of the beat reporters on the road, Ira Winderman, Anthony Chang, somebody like that, go ahead and ask uh, Spolster. I know Ira actually tweeted the same question, <laughs> yeah. so I do wonder if he'll, he's going to ask, but maybe we'll find out. I, I wonder if it's a little bit like, first of all, Tyler Hero is on the uh, near the top of the roster in terms of steals per game. So I don't know if he said, well, this guy is one of our best uh, like guys just grabbing the basketball. Let's put him right. in, and then maybe if we get that steal, then we have somebody in the game who can at least make a shot like a pull-up jumper off the dribble or something. I, maybe, right. I, I I don't know. And, and maybe he just didn't like the night that Haywood Highsmith was having. It wasn't the it's best fun. night for Haywood. He was a minus 16 in this game in 12 minutes. Um, So it wasn't like it was an awesome Highsmith game. Perhaps if it was a great Haywood Highsmith game, then he puts him into that game. But maybe just he, he didn't have confidence in him at that point. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting point. And I think a lot of people were a little flummoxed by it as it was playing out. Because again, you're down, no. Yeah, you were down two at that point. You need a defensive possession. You've got four and a half seconds left on the clock. And then they wind up inbounding the ball and Tyler commits the foul. And he's uh, Mikhail Bridges six. Both free throws ties the game. Jimmy Butler takes again, an off-balance long two. Not a three-pointer this time. A lot of people were concerned about Jimmy Butler taking it on their off-balance three to end the game. Right. In this case, it wasn't an off-balance three. It was just off-balance 18-footer instead. Uh, that actually looked good. I, I think the, the <clears> shot <throat> itself looked good. I thought he could have if he had hit that shot I mean, he he took a little while kind of getting into it i thought he was a little slow kind of getting into the shot but again at the end when, when we're, we're splitting hairs with whatever it was eight seconds left in, in in the game at that point but like i said before i know tyler hero committed the foul on that last play that wasn't his fault right, right. jimmy butler went for the steal he gambled left nobody open and tyler hero just had the 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 awareness to slide oh. over and try to provide some sort of interference interference and he fouled him and look, if he fouls him instead of giving Mikel Bridges a wide-open layup to tie the game and Mikel Bridges splits the free throws, then he looks like a hero, right? And so um, I, I didn't have a problem with him on that possession, even though I understand the question about leaving him in there in the first place. But this is a heat win, which means we get to hand out some credit cookies. Tyler Hero is going to get a few of them. How many and who else is getting them? We're going to talk about that next here on Lockdown Heat. Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Look, it's uh, still just past the new year, of course, and everybody's a little obsessed about how to change themselves, right? You're all making New Year's resolutions about diet or about exercise, about being a better person. I went We're to the gym today. To, yeah, well, there you go. I mean, I, you you pretty go you go to the gym pretty regularly before. It's not part of your New Year's resolutions, but right. it's just something just that people do credit. at the start of the year. No, no, hey, listen. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you're, you're trying to expand on what you already do right. But, you know, if you want to go through that process of, of maybe making changes that will be a little bit more longer lasting and not necessarily just getting hung up on these resolutions that drive everybody at the start of the year, then maybe talking to a therapist might help. Just kind of talking your way through it. It's all about the process of taking small incremental steps that lead to progress and feeling better about yourself. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, 
give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. So just fill out a brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time. It's no additional charge. Celebrate the progress you've already made. Visit betterhelp.com slash locked on NBA today and you get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H E L P.com slash locked on NBA. And today's episode is also brought to you by FanDuel. The NFL regular season is wrapping up, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. And right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets. Whether you win or lose, if there have been any upsets, I haven't really been checking what's going on with the NFL. But as almost any- uh, the Bills won, but it was a close one with the Steelers. They they were up whatever it was, twenty seven nothing, thirty one nothing, and then Pittsburgh came back, brought it into a one touchdown game, and then Buffalo went on to win the game. So almost interesting. Well, the app. If you're thinking of using FanDuel, the app is really easy to use. There's lots of different ways to bet. You can go to their live same game parlays. You can find bets in their new Explore tab. You can even make a parlay under the Parlay Hub, the best way to find popular parlays, and there's so much more. Go visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make your first bet a layup. That's FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. Thanks for making Lockdown Heat your first listen every day. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube on your favorite podcast app. Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Well, David, it's another heat win, which means it's time for the tastiest segment of Locked On Heat. It is time to hand out some credit cookies. Who are getting – who's getting cookies for tonight? Well, first of all, these cookies – these they were stayed in the oven a little too long. They're a little burnt. They're a little bitter. I mean, it's just really disgusting tasting cookies. But you know what? A win's a win. You get to celebrate. You cry as you eat these cookies, yeah. but you enjoy them. The cookies left over from last night's win. These are the back-to-back cookies, right? These, we didn't have time <laughs> to reheat. Bake these yeah, cookies. that's right. Yeah, you're trying to put them in the oven to reheat. You wind up burning them to a cinder, and you just right. wind up sitting there crying in your kitchen, eating ashes. But anyway, it's. Uh, I'm going to start off with Tyler Hero again. Great game from him. I think he deserves five credit cookies. Wow, uh, Jimmy Butler. Yes. Five credit cookies for Jimmy Butler. I'm only giving them three players because everybody else was really, really, really off. Uh, four for Jimmy Butler in his first game back. And I think, again, because he was really impactful in getting to the line and hitting a lot of free throws and mostly decent in, in terms of his scoring. Defensively, he wasn't bad at all. I think he was still – he looked he looked really good. I, I He expected there to be any kind of rust or anything like that in his return. He didn't really show it. And aside from that, the last cookie, I'm going to give to Bam at a bio, who I think had to carry a lot of the brunt of the offense in the first half, and he struggled under as a result. But he did wind up finishing the night with 20 rebounds, so he gets the last cookie. Five, four, and one tonight in the cookie distribution. I'm good with it. I I personally had four to Tyler, four to Jimmy, and two to Bam. But I'm okay, okay. with I'm okay I'm okay with your math too. That's it's sort of the same thing. Shout out to Josh Richardson who made a couple of big buckets in that fourth quarter, but uh, not enough probably for for a cookie. No. Look, uh, let's talk about Jimmy Butler. He hasn't played since December 30th. He's missed 11 of Miami's last 12 games with these leg and foot and toe injuries. Yep. Second night of a back-to-back. Miami played it safe with him against Charlotte on Sunday night. They said, okay, we're going to need this guy for the second night of a back-to-back in Brooklyn. They go ahead and activate him in this game, and he steps up. 31 points. It's his fifth highest scoring game of the season. He does it after in his first game of 2024 because he's been injured this entire time with a foot injury. 
I thought he was yeah. awesome. I love that he got to the the foul line a ton. Um, he got called for a ridiculous oh. flopping call. What uh, at the end of the third quarter? Third quarter. It was like in the yep. it was like four minute Midway mark of the third, third quarter. quarter. Yeah. yeah, it was like the four minute mark of the third quarter. The Heat were down at that point, sixty nine to sixty eight. Um, and Jimmy Butler went and scored eight points in the final four minutes of that third quarter because that, so that's all he needed. He just needed one little reason to go from an okay game to a really good game, and the Heat needed literally every single one of those points that he had down the stretch. So, a, and that was a ridiculous flopping call, wasn't it? I, I don't know. I, I kind of was thinking shades of Michael Jordan and I took that personally because, Oh yeah. Like he, he seems ignited from that point oh, forward. Yeah. Like he, he got to the line. I think he took like six or eight more free throw attempts and he hit all yeah. of them after that one call, but it didn't make any sense. Again, it was a, a missed field goal on one end. And then they kind of hit the, the, the quick outlet pass to Jimmy who was way down court. He's kind of leaning towards the basket on a layup attempt, which he hits, and then they wave it off. I, I don't know where the flop came. There was no contact. He wasn't trying to sell anything, not that he usually does. I, I don't even know what they were calling. So they showed I don't it know later the- in the broadcast. There was another play where I, maybe it was a rebound or something, and he's kind of running away from the basket because he didn't. And he ended up not having a chance at the rebound, but he sort of crashed, but whatever. And then he kind of gets shoved in the back, and he just sort of stumbles but never looks at the ref. He just literally just stumbles and then keeps running back onto the other side of the court, like where he was supposed to go. So he didn't disrupt his flow of play. There was no, and that's the point, right? The flopping is, Hey, we don't want this to be a thing where you're, where you're causing a scene and you're disrupting and you're making a show of it. Like we don't want basketball to be played like that. And I understand the flopping rules, but first of all, in general, the officials in the NBA don't seem very consistent in calling it. Some like some weeks are like we're, we're we have no we have no patience for flopping, and then some weeks are like oh flopping's fine. And the, yeah. but and in this game, look, Jimmy Butler does not flop. Say what you want about Jimmy Butler as a player, as a character, as a personality, whatever you want, love him, hate him, I don't care. He don't like even Minnesota Timberwolves fans who can't stand him would say the guy never flops. He doesn't. He doesn't flop, and he doesn't do that stuff. He gets to the free throw line a lot, but he earns those free throws. And so I love that. He, after that flop, he kind of gets the guys with the pump fake and stuff. He's like, all right, I'll go old school. I'm going to, I'm going to get to the free throw line anyway. I'm not going to be afraid of you calling another dumb flopping call. You know me, David, I don't complain about refs very much. And I wouldn't have made this a whole referee thing if the Heat had lost. But the fact that the Heat won, I'm a little bit more willing to talk about it. It was a ridiculous flopping call. And I don't really know, again, zooming out, I'm not really sure what the officials are looking at in terms of flopping in general in the NBA this season, because I feel like it's been really inconsistent and kind of weird. I mean. When it comes to a flop, yeah, I, I think it's just so subjective. And again, the, uh, the context you know of it. the game matters. You know it. Yeah, the context does matter. And you know it when you see it. And you, I think reputation matters. Like, Jimmy's just not one of those guys. All right, anyway, um, should yeah. we talk about Bam? A career, uh, a one fewer rebound than his career high. He had 20 rebounds in this game, 11 points. Um, he was a minus three in this game, which was kind of weird. Yeah. I think that was just was because the, the Nets went on a big run when he was in the game in the first half, but I thought he was really awesome, particularly in the second half, especially defensively. I thought if Nick Claxton thinks he's an awesome defensive center and he is, he's a, he's a very, he's a very good defensive center, but he's not elite the way that Bam is. And I right. think if you're Claxton, like your best case scenario is somebody like Bam out of bio, right? They're both really kind of lean, switchy finesse kind of bigs. And, and, but Bam just like outclassed him in this one. I, I wouldn't go so far. I mean, the rebounding, like his sense of timing and the ability to muscle past Claxton or your smaller defenders, clearly when it was you know Dorian Finney-Smith or somebody else that was kind of ostensibly playing the center, he was able to kind of, again, power his way to those 20 rebounds. 
The reason why I think he struggled so much in the in the first half is again a lot of those shots that the Heat were taking were falling short, so there was no concern regarding the mm. perimeter shooting. You could leave those guys open, and so you had perimeter defenders, whether it was Royce O'Neal or, or particularly Dennis Smith Jr., collapsing, bringing a double, attacking Bam, getting physical with them. Oftentimes, that the broadcast showed uh, it was a smaller player just kind of throwing an elbow at Bam, making things more difficult for him as he was trying to catch as he were jumping the ball into him in the low post letting him go to work and they were just able to send a double and between a smaller defender who poked the ball free if you bring it down low or a taller defender in Claxton who could yeah. swat the shot away Bam didn't really have much of an easy opportunity to get his scoring so he really did struggle I know a lot of critics but defensively I thought he was very good yeah and that was sort of more of my point where it's like Claxton I thought Claxton was okay defensively but got called for that bad offensive basket interference at the end of the game. Yes. Um, there's a goaltend that either yes. was that was or wasn't called at the end of the game. I think he got called for one and didn't get called for another. Uh, yes. the, he got That's called true. for a couple of different things. So, yeah. um, you know, I thought Bam was just a little bit more consistent in crunch time when it really mattered. But, uh, yeah, he deserves the one credit cookie. Tyler with five. Love it. Jimmy with four. And you're right. It's those three. Those are the guys. They won the game for the Heat. And I guess when you only score 96 points, you only really need three guys <laughs> to step up. Uh, speaking of, did the Heat figure something out defensively? We'll tell you what changed next. Today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. You're listening to this podcast right now because you want to escape from the realities of life. But you know what? If we could just talk a minute about preparing for real life. Well, just so you know, According to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of antibiotics like amoxicillin and right in the middle of the worst flu season in over a decade. It's pretty scary. And you can't imagine what it's like as a family member or a friend that you might be particularly close to if, if some of them got sick in the middle of a supply chain issue and that might keep them from getting the life-saving medication they might need. But thankfully, you won't have to worry about it because of Jace Medical. The Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics that treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, respiratory infections, sinusitis, skin infections, so much more. This stuff could happen to any of us. So visit jacemedical.com and complete your physician encounter. It'll be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It's never been more important to be prepared than today. Go to Jace Medical, that's J-A-S-E medical.com, and use the offer code LOCKDOWN to get 20%, $20, excuse me, off your order. Thanks for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube and on your favorite podcast app. Thanks to everybody who sent in questions using that hashtag AskLOHeat. You can reach us, LockedOnHeat, gmail.com, LockedOnHeat, also on Instagram. If you made it this far, like us, comment under YouTube, leave us a five-star rating and review on your podcast app. All of it really does help. Brian writes in, the Heat have held three straight opponents to under 100 points. Has something changed in their defense, or have they just happened to run into three really bad offenses? David, what do you think? I think it's a little bit of both. I, I think mostly it's the inferior opponent quality. Like, I mean, you're going up against an Orlando team that defends very well, and, and they can put up some points, but they're not a very good three-point shooting team. Uh, you've got Charlotte that was missing several players due to injury, and LaMelo Ball was struggling offensively that night. And then you got tonight where, again, the Brooklyn Nets just haven't been very good all season long, going through a myriad of number of issues there. And uh, I, I think that's mostly it. But I think it's the health of players coming back. You know, Haim is kind of figuring out his footing defensively. 
although he wasn't in the lineup today, obviously. Caleb Martin back in the lineup. Bam playing at an all-NBA level. Haywood Highsmith back from injury. I think that probably contributes maybe 10% if I had mm. to ascribe a particular number to it. But I think most of it is just reflective of really bad opponents. And that's <laughs> or, fine. You uh, take them. Hey, you take yeah, them. you do what you got to do, right? The Magic, uh, if they have a weakness, it's offense. They were missing Franz Wagner for that game and continue to be without him. So, yeah, I get that one. Um, Charlotte stinks. We covered that already. And yeah. and Brooklyn, is they're, they're not a good team, man. They're 16 and 23 now. That offense yeah. is really bad. That defense is not very good either for them. That was supposed Blow to be blow it right. up. They're, they're strong. Blow it up, Sean Marks. I mean, if you're Brooklyn, we can go off topic here, but I think it's at least interesting. What are you doing, right? Nick Claxton's going to be a free agent. Are you paying him? You know, I, I don't know. I, I think it's a fair question. Are you paying him, right? Is he a part of your future? Mikel Bridges, he's 27 years old. And I know that he's sort of the crown jewel of the Kevin Durant deal, but you already got all the draft picks coming over from Phoenix. Cam Johnson's on a nice team-friendly deal. But right. is Mc, what's Mikal Bridges, the third best player on a championship caliber team? Maybe. I think right. that's that's probably what he's he miscast. is. He's miscast in he's, Brooklyn. Like he's expected to take on too much of a role there. And he's 27 years he's, old. So if you're going to rebuild, you know, I mean, this is his prime. Would you not? I kind of think he's sort of a put it this way. It wouldn't shock me if they traded him between now and the start of next season, you know, because just because of the timing. He's a great player. Heck, I love him in Miami. Right. But, yeah. uh, I, I, like you said, he's a little bit miscast in Brooklyn, so I don't know what the Nets are doing, man. But I think they're they're a team that could maybe – they've been a little quiet. I know there's Dorian Finney-Smith rumors, and they're like, we want two first-round picks. It's like, all right, good luck. But um, that's, that, you know, that's, that's how negotiation is. You know, that's, that's, yeah. the, that's the outward signaling. But I would – I think everybody should be touchable, right? Nobody should be untouchable in Brooklyn at this point, right? No, I agree. I, and I, I know I kind of texted you half-jokingly about it, but uh, after the game he had tonight – I don't see why Dennis Smith Jr. isn't an option for Miami or not on a lot of more more teams' radar. Like, I mean, the guy is just – I know he's a, a, a kind of struggling offensive player, but he is a hustle guy for sure he's defensively. Like, I mean, it's like 18th three-pointer of the season tonight. That's that's the main <laughs> reason why he doesn't make sense for Miami. But I like him. Oh. I like him. He's a great story too. Yeah, if you're a defensive player – I mean, if you need a possession again and you're going to bring him out there – I mean, look, you're, you're trotting Josh out there. 13th. He's 13th three-pointer this season. You, you know that Josh can't score. He's certainly much more right. prolific than Dennis Smith Jr. But in terms of point of attack defense, I don't oh, think yeah. it's even – like, I mean, he's a far better defender than oh, Josh yeah. is. At Josh had a hard time with Mikel Bridges uh, down the stretch. Mikhail, every time he shot – yeah, couldn't stay in front of him. Um, and even when he did, Mikel Bridges went, went over him, just shot right over him. So, look, I like Dennis Smith Jr. fine. He'd be a nice depth piece for anybody. Um, in terms of the Miami's defense, you're absolutely right. They face Orlando, Charlotte, Brooklyn. They all those teams have their issues, but um, I do think uh, the Heat are better than sort of where they had been for that. There was like a, a week and a half stretch where they basically had like a bottom ten defense in the league. They're better than that. We know that. And you get Jimmy back, and he's healthy. Obviously, he looks good. Um, and then Caleb Martin, who we just talked about after that Hornets game, had his best defensive game of the season against Charlotte. Yep. So if he's kind of back to form there, and it wasn't the best Haywood Highsmith night tonight, but it kind of speaks to something where you don't necessarily need him to have a good night, and you could still hold an NBA team to under 100 points in overtime. I think all of that stuff does factor in. So I don't think that they're as bad as that they were during that rough stretch that they did have. I don't think yeah. that they're they're back now, by the way, into the top ten in defensive rating. They were back. They were back there after the Charlotte game. They'll certainly stay there after this one. Um, but I, I don't know that I, 
against like top competition we saw against the Thunder and, and other teams throughout the season, I still have my questions. Point of attack defense, to your point, somebody like Dennis Smith Jr. or somebody else, the trade deadline does make a lot of sense for this team. Yeah. Um, so I don't think they're quite that good, but I think they're probably in the top 14, 15, which is fine for now, especially if you think about making some changes ahead of the trade deadline. Another note here that I had from this one, David, the yeah. Heat going essentially, other than when they kind of went offense uh, possessions here and there, they went with their closing lineup, Josh Richardson, Tyler Hero, Jimmy Butler, Caleb Martin, and Bam Adebayo. And the notable thing there is that no Kyle Lowry. No Kyle Lowry basically at the end of the game except for an inbound here and there. Uh, do you make anything of that? I mean, I think we've seen Spro and, and probably uh, to a lot of fans' chagrin, I, I think he's been going with Josh in that role pretty frequently, I think. So yes. I, I think he, he's been his closer in terms of, I don't know what he's seeing out there. And I know he has faith in him. And I know there's this kind of loyalty to being one of his rookies that he helped develop. And, and you know, the fact that he was traded for Jimmy Butler, I think that kind of, I don't know what it is. I really he's don't. I know no, I tell you what it is. He's a threat. He's a threat to shoot. He'll at least shoot the ball. And Kyle Lowry doesn't. And at the end of these games, you need five guys that the defense has to pay attention to. And when Kyle Lowry's out there, the defense doesn't pay attention to him. They don't. They play off of him on three-point line. They go under every single screen. They, they, he's not a threat to get to the rim. He doesn't get to the free throw line. Josh Richardson is as good defensively if, uh, as as Kyle Lowry, and that's, I mean, he is. And it's not know. saying much, but those are sort of the options. And I think it's the reason why the Heat are kind of aggressively in the trade market for a guard. That's why they're out there. They're looking for an upgrade over Kyle Lowry and Josh Richardson. If they could put somebody in that spot to close games, and who knows what Miami's going to do with their starting lineup, but to close a game, if they could have an upgrade at that Josh Richardson slash Kyle Lowry spot, yeah. that would go a long way, I think, for this team. And I think that's probably why they're looking for that. That's fair. I mean, I, I think it's a valid point. I, I still don't. I keep having discussions. There are a lot of people ask me, oh, what are he going to do? What are he going to do? And I have no idea. I, I said I'm kind of – my personal tent feeling is that they won't make a move because I think they're still waiting, as they have for the last few years, to get everybody back to health and see what they can finally string together if everybody's available. But at the same time, it wouldn't surprise me if they made a major move. And I don't know how big a big move is. I don't mm -hmm. think there's a whale out there that you could possibly pry out. But even if you make a swing for like a DeJounte Murray, I think I would certainly qualify that as a big move oh, yeah. for Miami. Oh, yeah. So I, I, I just don't know if that's He's realistic. He's the second but... biggest star on the market out, outside of Pascal Siakam, right? I would say yeah. DeJounte Murray is kind of the other name that we know that's out there. Who knows what actually you know, happens. But yeah, exactly. to your point, Miami is exploring. It doesn't mean they're going to do anything. You know, the value has to make sense. The trade has to work out for both teams, not just for the Miami Heat, but for the other team that, that's involved too. So they're out there. They're looking for guard help. We know this. Whether something happens there, you know, we'll see. The trade deadline's February 8th. We'll have plenty more content for you between now and the trade, line, trade deadline. We're going to have more info for you about what it is that the Heat are looking for throughout this week. And, of course, we will have our recaps of every Heat game throughout the week as well. But for now, thanks for making Locked on Heat your first listen. Every day, hit that subscribe button on YouTube and follow us on your favorite podcast app.